Welcome to Naming It, where we discuss pop culture, current events, and how they relate to the way that we live our lives, all through the lens of two black psychologists. Naming It is dedicated to acknowledging the elephant in the room, validating the lived experience of people of color. Coming to you from the Bay Area, California, we thank you for joining us. I'm Dr. Bedford Palmer. And I'm Dr. Lamisha Hill. Music on Naming It is provided by Lee England Jr., the sole violinist. Good morning, evening, afternoon. All right. Welcome to Naming It. Naming It. Episode number eight. Episode eight. You know that um, eight is a lucky number in um, Chinese culture. Yes, I do. Yeah, so like you should you should uh, put eights on the end of different uh, ads and different uh, addresses, like for business and things like that, and it tells people like both that you uh, that you're lucky and that you give enough care to be culturally competent when you're working around folks who believe in this. Absolutely. Yeah. So episode eight, everyone should listen. Hey now. Everyone. Um, and, uh, by the way, uh, before we get started, I just want to say that I was very offended because I was talking to, I was talking to Dr. Hill and I was trying to explain, I'm just saying, I was trying to explain that Lord of the Rings, I was telling her that I was grumpy, like Gimli, the the dwarf, and then she doesn't know, she, look, it's okay if she didn't know who Gimli was, okay? It's okay if you did not, it does, it's, it's okay, but for you... To ask if Gimli was a guy who lived in the little house under the, he's, that I'm just saying, everyone, black nerds, black nerds, let her know that's the there Hobbit. There are other folks that watch the show that aren't black, but but there's a thing called black nerds. But, okay, okay, but I what I want what I want to point out though is that for our listeners out there, Bedford acknowledged that he's grumpy. So everybody knows that already. What are you talking? You were trying to act like this whole like Bedford not being excited thing was was inaccurate and a misrepresentation of your I never true said identity. That. I never said that. So I now, just said that now, your friends were jumping all over me, <laughs> talking and saying, calling me a curmudgeon and stuff. I know who I am. I'm. I, hey. So does curmudgeon fit or is does grumpy fit? Grumpy. Grumpy m- more so than curmudgeon. I. You know, you know what really feels good for me to say, like really just deep in my soul feels really good. What's that? Get off my lawn. <laughs> hey kid, get off my lawn. That that yes. Yes. Is that a reference pick that, from something? Pick that trash up. Like yeah, I mean it's a reference from being an old grumpy dude. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, you know, get off my lawn. Pick up that garbage. Like Clean up this room. I don't know. Like maybe I'm getting ready for like later on um, you're channeling this, yeah. this this next chapter in, in yeah. your life. Yeah. Don't you, already, you already went down to like grand, I'll, I'll do my grandparent dad, like, thing. Well, you know, I'm I'm turning into my pop. So like, okay. yo, you know what? If you're working, don't sit down unless you have a job where you need to sit down. You know, that kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> hey, uh, you got two dimes because you can use one to, to figure out and call someone who cares. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's. <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs> I'm 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 holding my I'm I'm rubbing my two fingers my my thumb and my index finger together. If you listen really closely, that's the sound of a little violin playing behind you when you're. Uh, yeah, that's stuff my dad would say. Anyway, um, okay, moving on. Back to naming it. Sorry. Cool. Let's start with our shout outs. Shout outs. All right. 
Who we shout out? Wait, we got to shout out everybody, right? Everybody. Yo, we, we got a thousand shout outs to give out because we just had a thousand downloads, yo. Last night we got a thousand downloads. It showed us on our um on our on our statistics. And we just want to say thank you. Awesome. We are so excited. Thank you so much to all of our listeners. Yeah, that's uh, it's huge. And we've only been, I mean, we have, this is episode eight. So in just uh, just just seven episodes, we were able to, to do that many, we were able to, to talk to that many people. And, and that, that sound, that feels really good. It feels like we did something useful, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. thank you all. If you are, if you are on any of the social media Apps. Apps. Yeah. I was going to say apparatuses, but that, <laughs> <laughs> like, that doesn't work. <laughs> That's not APA. you got to use a simple word. <laughs> but particularly uh, the Instagram, if you can take a photo of yourself uh, with naming it in the background and tag it as I'm naming it, uh, we'd love to feature you on our Instagram line. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, and if you want to look at our Instagram, it's, um, is it, is it naming it? Podcast? Naming a podcast. Naming it podcast on IG, and you um, there's already a couple of examples, so you can just yeah. you know follow right them. along. Yeah. Uh, so we also wanted to shout out some really cool podcasters that we came across that we went to. We went. We, we told you in the last episode we were going to go to this event. We went to the event. It's called hashtag Oakland Pod Gang. You know, a gang of podcasters. Super fun. It was really fun. We, we had a really good time. Yeah, we went out to we we're at Jack London Square. Mm-hmm. Um, we hung out at Plank. Uh, we had some food, we had some beers, we were just hanging out, and we met folks from I'm Here For It, that's yep. one of the podcasts. Yep, You Had Me At Black. You Had Me At Black, that's a cool podcast. And by the way, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, dun, dun, dun. so I told her I was going to drag her through, look, <laughs> Lamisha, I got to drag you right now, because you went to, you had, look, does everybody know... That what, what's, what's your friend's name? Tashana. Tashana is a host of You Had Me At Black. Dr. Lamisha Hill went to their 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 their, their yeah, live show. Live, yeah, live recording. Right. But did anybody here know that there's another black podcast that Dr. Lamisha Hill is friends with a host already? You might have known that, but her co-host didn't. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I went over there. It's like it's like it's almost like meeting somebody and like meeting an ex or something like that. You know what I'm saying? It's like you go over, you meet these new people. Dr. Hill wasn't <laughs> there, and they said. Oh, Lamisha, yeah, I know her. But how you know her? I don't know you. Like I'm just I'm just saying it, you Bedford know, is right, but but the reality is, what? is that wait, I'm, wait, what what this you just said I was right? You're right. But No but argument? I will qualify. Oh, okay. If I may. Yeah, apparently. That we have this conversation that I'm not one to really brag or talk about myself. So when I was at their event, their event was for them. So you know, I, I dropped naming it, but you have a point that we could be more collaborative by using our relationships. And shout out to all all the folks uh, in the Oakland Pod Gang, and we look forward to doing a lot of cross promotion, a lot of featuring. So, uh, yeah. looking forward to having you on. Yeah, and so real quick, really dope is another one of the podcasts, and let the record show is uh, the podcast. And I think there were a couple more that we didn't quite get the names of. And a, a really quick thank you to. Um, to Dap, a.k.a. Malik, because um, he was one who set it all up and organized it. Um, he's the host from Really Dope. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it went really great, and we're hoping to continue to do that. So if you are a podcaster in Oakland and you want to get involved, you should uh, look up hashtag Oakland Pod Gang. 
Absolutely. And we will, uh, in the description box uh, on the website and stuff, we will uh, share some links. Or if you follow us on Twitter in particular, you can find out all these folks who we just referenced uh, via our Twitter page. Right, 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 right. Cool. Okay, so check-in. Check-in. So uh, what what you what what were you doing yesterday, Lanisha? So yesterday I spent the day in self care at the spa. I took a day for myself and hung around in the spa. Went to the gym, got a massage, had a nice meal. <laughs> you just, yeah, I did. Yeah, I yeah, did me. Just, I had a day to me. You're kind of glowing today. Oh, that's you, so you, you do the the little. They put the big mask on you and put the the cucumbers in your eyes. No, no, they only do that. I don't know if they only do that in movies, but I've never had a facial Well, you know, you do get the fluffy robe. The fluffy, you got a the fluffy, fluffy robe. robe. Okay, fluffy is robe. I'm liking the fluffy robe. Did you get a foot massage, something like that? You get a pedicure. I got a a, a deep tissue. 80 Deep. minutes. Oh, with the elbow? The uh, elbow work? Yeah. The elbow work, the, right? Y'all yes. don't know about that elbow, right? There was moments where I was thinking, I don't know if I should tell them that their elbow <laughs> is kind of intense. Uh, but communication. and It was too much? It w- there were moments. The I could, but that's the thing. I, I, I have a pretty high tolerance for, for pain, so I, you know, I'm trying to g- gauge and judge, you know, will this be helpful and is this really working out a kink or is the elbow just like, just in the just wrong spot of my, you. exactly, yeah, just yeah. elbowing me in my back. I don't know. So, so that, so we have to work on communication. Yes. You have to explain, yeah. you have to explain your needs and you have to. Yeah. You have to participate in, in the, in the massage, which is counterintuitive because you kind of, I kind of just want to check out and take a nap. Mm. You know, that, that, <laughs> I was going to make this whole analogy that that could like work with like certain other areas, but like you put the nap part at the end. And so now it doesn't work. But what I was going to say is like, you know, at some point soon, hopefully we're going to have some episodes about relationships mm-hmm. and about sex. And so, you know, the whole thing, except for, you know, you don't want someone to, you want people to communicate with you when you're what having sex, you but you don't want to, you don't have end. a net. Well, no, not the, you said during, you're like, you okay. just want to, you know, you checking wanna, out. Yeah. You don't yeah, want to check wanna, out. You don't want to check out. You want to check ch- in. Yes. You want to be completely there. But you know, that's, we're 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 uh, we're gonna have an expert come on, um, and I, I don't want to announce the person yet because um, we haven't fully negotiated. But like they're awesome, and you know who I'm talking about if you're listening to the podcast. And so we're gonna soon, very soon, get get and happy birthday you. to you as Ooh, well. Happy birthday, yes, yes, to this mystery guest. This mystery guest. <laughs> Let's just say uh, we're gonna take a page out of the manual in order to correctly talk about sex. Awesome. Does that work? That works. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. So it's time for you to check in Bedford. Oh, my What you been up to? Oh, I, uh, you know, school starting, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, I, this week we have a bunch of meetings uh, on campus because, uh, you know, if you don't remember, I'm a professor. So um, we're doing orientations and we're calling it different things like faculty day and like retreats and stuff like that. What that all means is that we have business meetings and we have food and uh, we end up doing it for like six to eight hours, and it you know it, it can be fun, but usually it's, it's a meeting. Um, so yesterday I was at all all faculty meeting, and uh, we talked about all the things that need to be done at at, at the university, and 
you know, what, what it was uh, was very informative, and I got a chance to spend time with my my fellow faculty from my department, mm-hmm. and I haven't seen them. Like, we haven't been all together for the whole summer, so mm-hmm. um, that was nice. Uh, yeah, besides that, uh, just I'm, I'm just getting ready. I'm, I'm right now... We're about to start the semester and and get it going, um, and uh, get to see all my wonderful students and like get start working with folks again. And uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to the teaching piece. It's going to be fun. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, let's. Uh, is that is that our check in? Yeah, that's right our check in. Our check in. All right. So what's going on then? What's what? going on? What's going on? Yeah, are you going to sing it? No, I'm not going to sing today. Come on, sing the song. Mm-mm. Come on, Alicia. Nope. Sing it. Mm-mm. They want to hear it. Give the people what they want. No, what they want to hear is you sing. Oh, that's not happening. Um, so, what's going on? So, the Olympics closed out. Olympics, Rio, they had a big party. They kept talking about this party, but, like, I didn't. they didn't televise it. So, it's kind of sorry, you know what I mean? Oh, like, they had a party? Well, it's like, they had, like, a carnival afterward. Oh. And they kept saying, the promised carnival, the pro- promised party. And then when they get to it, they cut out and went to other programs. I'm like, I've been waiting for the dang party. Let's let's do the carnival, you know. But no, apparently not. But I saw, you know, Tokyo did a really cool presentation right. uh, for, for coming in. I, I'm looking forward to that, that Olympics. But anyway, uh-huh. where are we at? What happened? I believe that uh, Simone Biles carried the American flag during the closing ceremonies. Damn right. I know we talked about it before. I'm just going to go rewind, rewind, rewind and do a little edit and a self-correction. Because I, when I listened to the episode that we talked about the original Michael Phelps and should he carry the flag, Uh I kept referring to the flag as the Olympic flag and not the American flag. So for those of you who were listening to that and are listening to this, I caught myself and I'm correcting. Okay. I'll go because I probably said the same thing. No. No, Mm -hmm. I didn't. Mm -hmm. I didn't. Okay. It was just me. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, I was trying to be in there with you. But uh, so, yeah. So, you know, went from uh, the, you know, entitled dude who wouldn't like give the flag to the brown girl who uh, was like a wonderful, would have been wonderfully symbolic to the greatest, the greatest female gymnast of all time, Simone Biles. Bileses. I'm calling her Bileses from now on. Just, uh-huh. She's Bileses. Okay. We got Biles is all over the place. Did you, uh, have y'all talked about her, her, her renaming and her nickname? Some people no. don't like nicknames. She, she renamed, did, did I talk to her? Yeah. About? You That's said you're going to call her something. You might as well. Nickname, what? Really? You going to call me out on my nickname given? I, uh, first of all, the first rules of nicknames is that you don't got no say in it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I have plenty of nicknames I have that I don't like, I don't want, but she's Biles is on this show. To you. To Bedford. Why can't she be Biles's? She can be Biles's. Do you know where too. it comes from? Like, there's this whole skit that Key and Pill do mm-hmm. about like you know people who they really love and respect, and they call they add they say their last name and then they put the is on it. So it's like Denzel's is or 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 or, or De Niro's is, you know. So she's Biles's. You know, it's a pop cultural reference that you would know if you had a television. <laughs> Trying to call me out. Wow. <laughs> Wow. I don't know if not having television leads me to not watching Key and Peele. Not having television? Huh? But they're Is on that TV. even how you say it? Their title of their show? Uh, I don't know. I don't, you'd have to watch a TV show or something. All right. Anyway, wow. Simone Just, and others, and many, 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 many others, uh, y'all did a great job. USA is just very dominant in athletics. 
I would say Jamaica was dominant. Like, they did insane. Well, we had the most medals. Boats. We did? Yeah. We always have the most medals. Um, we had the most gold medals. We had the most medals. See, you know, in my house, uh, we don't, you know, I, we're, we're a little, there's a little bit of old school. Like, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, we didn't really root based on country of origin. We would root for the brown people. So, you know, it's like, brown person won, yay! You know, I, I don't know. You can say what you want to say, but we don't win enough. So, uh, you know, we'll take the, the things that we can get. Uh, but I, I, I hear, I, uh, it's, yeah, good. We got we got a bunch of medals. I'm sure some of them were th- things that, uh, that I was interested in. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but there were a lot of really cool moments, you know? Like, you have uh, Clarissa Shields. Uh, who is the first boxer ever to win two gold medals back-to-back. So she won her first one in London when she was 17. There's a whole documentary. She's got a feature on Netflix. Didn't she say um, she was... she she was recently quoted saying something to the extent of, you know, she doesn't want to be known as a, a great female boxer. She right. wants to be known as a great boxer. Absolutely. That's awesome. And I think that's what a lot of these athletes are fighting against because... Because things get qualified and in their accomplishments based yeah, on their gender, yeah. but based on aspects of their identity. Right. And those, right. you know, the most visible aspects of your identity, particularly in sports, are your ethnicity and your gender. Yeah. And your ability status, too. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, yeah, I, because there was a whole thing about like someone using blades and not being able to use that because it's an augmentation mm. um, in running. So mm-hmm. someone who had, uh, had a double amputee who was trying to run on blades and they were disqualified because they weren't allowed to to Mm. have any kind of augmentation. There's a whole discussion on that, but like, yeah, it bugs me when I have to say the, the um, best female gymnast and, you know, like, I I guess I don't have to say it, Mm -hmm. but um, that's what they dubbed her, you know? Um, But the reality is, is that ain't no, ain't no dudes figured out the bios. So what's up guys. It's not, it's, there's no, there's no double X chromosome necessity for you to like to land that. You know, you don't have to have ovaries to make that work. So I'm just saying, if you can't land the bios, then you ain't as good as her. Boom, best 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 gymnast of all time. Period. That's who Simone Biles is, and she's coming to Stanford in the Bay Area. Yes. Oh. So maybe we can get her on the show. We'll um, we'll definitely make an effort. We should go. We should go. You seem, seem kind of incredulous. You, you know, think... the moment the moment that I had was like maybe we can get you like up like a pop out. You know, like a life size pop you know, out for someone who goes <laughs> to other part of the country to 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 learn how to 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 actuate their their, their themselves and and to to put their to 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 make their dreams happen. I'm think big, think big. We can okay. get her. Right. We can get her. Right. She's cool. She she's a nice young woman. You know, I'm sure she's been on a bunch of stuff, but maybe she just wants to come out to Oakland and we can, like, have a little conversation with her and, you know. All right. Hey, you know, college. She's starting college. Oh, she, yeah. Yeah. So that's. Where's she going to school at? Oh, at Sanford. Okay. See, I didn't know if she was coming to visit or she's actually going. Okay. That's awesome. All right. Cool. Well, you know, in other news, we heard Uh that, um, you know, Mr. Mr. Privilege himself. Had some consequences. Oh yeah. Associated with how you say his last name? Lochte. Lochte. Lochte Gate. That's what they're calling it, Lochte Gate. Yeah, because that's like Watergate, which yeah. is like the one of the worst examples of like dishonesty in American political history. So you put gate on it when someone is just detestable. It's just lying. It's lying. Just lying. Lying. Lying, Lochte. 
I like that. Lion <laughs> Lofty. So, you know, about privileges and consequences, I, I had this moment where I thought my compassionate self, and I'm going to love to hear your response, Bedford, is that, that that's going to be a tough lesson to learn that late in life. I'm sure it is. I mean, I would, you know, okay, so now you're engaging my, my clinician side, right? So, um, yeah, it, it's definitely a, a, a hard lesson to learn, but I'm, I, I wonder about whether there was anything learned there. Hmm. You know, like, I think that that might be something that we're assuming. But based on his responses, I haven't seen anything that was contrite. I haven't seen anything that was that was actually sorry for the thing that he did as opposed to sorry for getting in trouble. Mm. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, that I don't know. I would agree with you on that. I think the thought that I had was, you know, where in life, you know, developmentally, folks making decisions and being corrected. And oftentimes those corrections happen from parental guidance or community. Right. And I think that there's, there's something about being socialized in a way where you are having folks really watch out for your behaviors because there's an added layer of, of you don't have the privilege to be walking around in spaces and not being aware of yourself or, you know, or that you, that there's this encouragement to behave in a certain manner, whether that's, you know, um, being polite, saying hello, greeting people, things that 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 are not necessarily universal, but mm-hmm. a lot of cultures and a lot of communities and or individuals, just families adopt some of those things. And then you have folks that don't necessarily have those experiences. And then those corrections might come in the high school years or, you know, where they were they rather than a parent saying, I see what you're doing or, uh, you know, some sort of guidance figure. It comes from an actual like you just did something wrong. And there's an authority, you know, in the yeah. way of correcting that that so, that decision. I I think it was blowing my mind. I have no clue. How old is this person? 32. Right. Like that, that, that. That there have been no other moments in life, See, particularly when this is when this is the behavior. For me, there's not a lot of, and I'm making an assumption, but my assumption is that there are behaviors along the way that could have been corrected. See, I mean, I, why and, we, can we just say it plain? Oh, boy, don't got no home training. <laughs> That's what you're saying. I mean, like, you, you, were a, try, you, you were doing all this, like, flowery <laughs> wording and stuff, but you're saying your mama didn't, treat, didn't train you right. Like, and I don't care what she, he, he, you don't go, I'm going to go back to the other statement. You don't go in other people's countries acting like that. You just don't. Because you wouldn't go in somebody else's house acting like no, that. No, you don't. And I mean, like, exactly. it's like what people get so angry at us about right what about makes it so train. hard for us to travel sometimes is that you have these like really entitled like people who go around and treat pe- people's places like garbage cans. He literally pissed on these people's door. Mm-hmm. Like, who does that? You don't do that here. I mean, you do that like straight up. You do that in a stand your ground state. You might get shot. Like so, like keep it real. Like why would you go to this other place where you've been invited as a guest? Where you've been like straight up. The Olympics did a lot of bad for 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 Rio too. You know, mm-hmm. like you can see all this wonderful glitz and glamour, but displacing people. They displace people. Mm-hmm. People died. Like people. Like, Building all the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, like there's. 
like money, like a lot of money that could have went to helping people in Brazil went to making like the village that these athletes decided to leave, mm-hmm. you know. And then there's the whole thing about even look, I was a student athlete um, and no, I wasn't Olympic. I wasn't professional. I wasn't even college. You know what I'm saying? But there's some basic stuff that when you're a kid and you're an athlete that you learn that your coach will tell you that you'll learn early on, you know. And the first thing is that you comport yourself in a way that does not embarrass your mom, doesn't embarrass your family, doesn't embarrass your team. You know, if you're in a religious space, it doesn't embarrass your guy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't do that. And as an Olympic athlete, you do not embarrass your country. Mm. And that's what he did. I mean, it, it's one thing to to get in trouble. It's another thing to lie about it in such a way that makes for an international incident. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why he's losing endorsements. Well, consequences. Consequences. In other news, other news, there is. I this is a term that that I stand by, but I would say continued police terrorism going on in domestically in our country, right? Um, A killing of 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 a man in Indio, California, and then just recently, um, Daniel Harris, uh, a deaf man who was shot by police troopers in North Carolina, and. Yeah. What's coming up for me, y'all, is is that these moments and, and the Guardian has a great sort of, of tracking system. Uh, it's called the Counted. Um, and we'll put a link to that. Um, but just the, the rates and the statistics of the continued um, police killings of of our folks. The reality is, is that it touches all communities. It cuts across gender. It cuts across ethnicity. The challenge being that there's disproportionate disproportionate levels of policing in black and brown communities which leads to you know more killings of black men in particular however it touches and it affects everybody yeah and it's a moment like this where you know it's like will that will that fall on this on on the sympathetic ears of of majority cultured individuals who can always find a way to to isolate every other police killing as an isolated incident or something about that individual doing something wrong in that moment, as opposed to there is a systemic problem in policing. Well, I think, you know, and I, I, I would usually call it, I would say, you know, police violence or, or like um, this, this need for us to always submit to police authority mm-hmm. um, and putting police authority over the rights and the, the lives of people, um, particularly black and brown people. Um, I, I think that what we're, what we're looking at is, um, what's the collateral damage of racism, Mm -hmm. you know? So how much is the white community willing to take in, like in terms of damage to their own people in order to continue to support white supremacy? Mm. Um, and so right now the system around policing is systemically, uh, uh, authority, authoritarian mm-hmm. in a way that isn't isn't really American. It's not really the way that it should be mm-hmm. based on our laws and based on our rights. But it also, since it's not being used for what it's supposed to be used, i.e. policing people, instead it's being used to oppress and terrorize people, you know. And, you know, this is not a commentary on every police officer. Again, this is a commentary on the system exactly. and what the system tries to force police into. Because mm-hmm. I, I know plenty of police officers and most of them are nice people, um, but they're being forced into doing things in a specific way that will 
writ large affect the community in some negative ways, even if they're doing some really positive stuff too. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think that what we've seen over the years is that they're completely comfortable, you know, with allowing police to harm people within their community. And I'm talking about like with the mainstream white community in the United States, as long as they continue to suppress on a much more disproportionate level, mm. black and brown people. So I, I wonder about like, I think that that's where like some of the sentiments from Black Lives Matters saying we need to focus on us come from where they say like, you know, what, we already know that y'all are willing to sacrifice yourselves. What we need you to do is we hear us when we say we're not going to take this anymore. Right. Yeah. Thank you for that. It's a thought. It's a beautiful thought. It's oh, a beautiful breakdown. Beautiful. Okay. I, I, I like I like that word. Uh, but uh, I'm blushing because someone smart said that I said something smart. Anyway. Uh, you had a great so. point. <laughs> and I also and I also just want to take a moment to acknowledge we don't we don't. Uh, it's it's difficult, challenging, and impossible for us to acknowledge and, and give voice to and shed light on all of the sort of ethnically based uh, tragedies and trauma in the world, you know, like what's going on in Louisiana. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we just want to, we're kind of, I'm calling, I'm calling myself in and out on that. So if you're listening, you're thinking, why wouldn't they talk about this? Or why don't they talk about that? Um because hard. it's hard. It's yeah. just hard. And we just, I'm just acknowledging that it's hard and we're not going to get to everything. But um, hopefully we can use some of those other platforms to to really know that we that we see that we see you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you um, get with us on Twitter and get with us on Facebook and we have a lot of these conversations offline that way or online. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, like it's hard. We didn't talk about Milwaukee. We didn't talk about uh, what happened in Baltimore. I mm-hmm. mean, and it, it's. It's like you want to, and uh, but trying to fit, trying to get, you know, do it in a way that's going to be appropriate and useful and helpful for the people that are that that want to listen to us. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a hard thing sometimes. Absolutely. Um, so, or you want to let's let's uh let's do a little bit of real talk, and um, today our real talk is going to come from Hidden figures. What's up? The video, Hidden Figures. Oh, 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 my bad. My yeah, bad. and so we, we, before we get to Real Talk, we wanted to close out oh, yeah. what's going on. What's going on? With um, a little bit more, because we can never get enough of that Black, black Girl, girl Magic. magic. Mm, love Black Girl Magic. Hey, now. Yeah. So there's a new film coming out, Bedford. You want to share, share about Oh, yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, the, the film is called um, Hidden Figures, right? And so it has, um, it's starring... Uh, Taraja P. Henson, uh, Octavia Spencer, and Janelle Monet, and they're portraying the role of uh, some uh, uh, three of uh, a number of uh, black female mathematicians who NASA relies upon to save. Um, or actually, let's put it this way: they the, the story is that they save NASA because mm-hmm. they save some astronauts using. They're great minds. And so mm-hmm. we have a trailer that we wanted to share with you because this is a freaking awesome story. Awesome. So, so we're cool. going to play it for you. Yeah. Hidden figures. You have identification on We're just on our way to work at NASA. So. I had no idea they hired. There are quite a few women working in the space program. <laughs> you know what we're doing here? We're putting a human on top of a missile shooting into space, and it's never been done before. 
I need a mathematician that can look beyond the numbers. Math that doesn't yet exist. If all the Russians plant a flag on the damn moon. Do you have someone? Catherine is the gal for that. She can handle any numbers you put in front of her. Don't embarrass me. This wasn't empty last night. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not the... Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Hidden figures. And I want to give it up to um, my real-life uh, NASA black female astronaut, Dr. Yvonne Cagle, um, who is just an amazing, amazing, talented woman. Got a chance to get connected with her uh, via another mentor that I have. And so just to know that it's that it's true and it's real, and we don't often get to hear about all of the talented folks that are in all these different spaces. But, yeah. Can we get her on the podcast? I'm sure we can. I will I will totally reach out to Dr. Cagle. And, please. And please have her on. share her journey and her experiences. Yeah, yeah. And perhaps she had invited me down because there's a NASA um yeah. situation down in Palo Alto uh-huh. or down in that way. And I didn't get a chance. She needed an intern. So I connected her with an intern and I was supposed to go and she had to mention something about there being a moonwalk simulator. You think that we can go down and do some moonwalk simulations? I would love to. Because if you if you get me to get to go to space camp, I- you get to become, <laughs> wait for it, Hills's. You get to become Hillses because you got me to get to go. When I was a kid, I wanted to go to space camp so bad. Man, like, really? man. Oh, yeah, okay. I want to be an astronaut, all that stuff. All right. So maybe we'll we'll try to get Dr. Kegel on and maybe we'll just go record down there. That would be the bomb. We'll come to you. Absolutely. And I get to do a space Dr. Kegel. We'll be, we'll be following up with you. But yes, yeah. that's the story of Hidden Figures. Again, starring Taraji B. Henson, Octavia Spencer, and Janelle Monet. So go check it out in January. In January. That's where I'm going to be. I'm going to be learning about some mathematicians fixing stuff. Absolutely. Black girl magic, yo. I know. All right. So, um... Let's go to let's let's move right into real talk. Yeah. Real talk. Real talk. So, um, where do you want? How how should we start this out? So today on Real Talk, our Real Talk was inspired by one of our Facebook fans and followers yeah. who put out a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can we do a big shout out to Dewey Tran? Hey, 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 Dewey. Uh, you know we've been chatting online, and you've been uh you've been you've been like giving us some some response. So like let everybody know that if you get on the Facebook and the Twitter and you talk to us, we will talk back. And we will possibly bring some stuff up on the radio. So, like, you asked us, uh, you wanted to ask what difficulties ethnic minorities face in professional psychology from grad school to our job. Um, and so we we took that and we thought up something. So you want to tell us, like, what we what we came up with? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was so timely because Bedford and I, we were chatting about, you know, our own journey through graduate school and really uh, some a, a lot of the challenges with that and, and partly being that... Oftentimes, the canon of psychology and the the established sort of um, pathways are really rooted in Eurocentric perspectives yeah. um, and attitudes, beliefs, and even even the writers and the language. And while I think there's a movement to try to incorporate, you know, multicultural voices and perspectives, at the end of the day, how they're, how how many programs evaluate and structure upon their domains and their disciplines is really from a Eurocentric lens. Um, and so we had both shared about, you know, how academically, not necessarily, you know, the most intense hurdles I did really struggle with statistics. Um, that's just not my strong suit in research. But really, some of the other things 
that you get graded on are these subjective subjective ideas. And particularly what we're doing is working with ourselves and interacting with other people. And that really is a subjective process of what does it mean to kind of be present? What does it mean to be um, professional? And how are those terms being defined from a Eurocentric perspective? Yeah. So, I mean, like, the, the, the reality is, is that when you're coming from, and this is when we start talking about cultural competence, right? Um, people have different ways of living. People have different ways of expressing themselves. And if you have a person in power, um, like a professor, right, mm-hmm. um, or a person from work or whatever, um, a supervisor who doesn't understand you culturally, mm-hmm. they can misread a lot of things. Like a Absolutely. really simple thing in therapy is that you, you have to learn how people use eye contact, mm-hmm. you know, because... Generally, people of African descent use eye contact different than people of European descent, right? So, like, when people of European descent are speaking, they tend to look you in the eye, right? When people of African descent are speaking, they tend to look away, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then it's, like, reverse the other way. So, like, basically, eye contact doesn't always work. In And when you put respect on that right Mm -hmm. when you say that like well you need to look me in the eye to have respect then um you basically end up having people misread things so Mm -hmm. when for instance like right now i'm looking at dr hill and like as i'm talking i look away Mm -hmm. you know and so she could read that as being like i'm not really paying attention to her but for me i have to when i look someone in the eye when 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 i'm looking at your face i'm really paying deep attention and it's hard for me to come up with a thought at that point, you know? Right. And so I have to look away and have another re- point of reference and that allows me to like think better. Now you put this in, in the classroom and you put people with power again, it, it can be as though you're not paying attention when you really are. Right. Or you're not participating if, you know, your style of participation is different. Right. And I think that, that some of that is, is that there are, unique experiences based on individuals who they are where they come from and their personalities but then there's also this cultural element there as well um and i think a lot about you know also this piece around being introverted versus extroverted and you would think that as psychologists like from a training perspective there would in my experience there was some sort of there was a cognitive understanding of oh yeah people are different and they process differently and the da 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 and we, there's a lot of um, consideration in a clinical space when we're when we are trying to support other people in our clinical roles but there was less understanding from a training perspective and yeah. I think that that is where as we are as we are educating and nurturing this next generation of psychologists and and any any folk in any discipline that to to nurture that individual for who they are and where they come from, not into forcing them to try to fit into a mold or in a standard with those subjective perspectives that may or may not match on to who they are and their identities that they hold. Oh, well, you know, so being, you know, part of the training side now, it, I think I, I, I hear I'm with you on some of it, but I think I have slightly different perspective in, mm-hmm. in certain ways. So like, I would say that you have to be, um, you have to be sensitive to a person's like uh, what they're bringing, like what's their worldview, mm-hmm. what's their what's their personality type, and all that piece. Um, I think it's the trainee's responsibility, though, to take on the skill sets that they need to take on in order to do the work. So, if you're telling me, if a person is saying that they're shy and therefore they don't want to do a presentation, mm-hmm. you know, I that doesn't work. You have to you have to be able to do presentations if you're gonna be 
working in this field. So let's let me help you work on dealing with presentations and I'm probably going to give you more support than I would give another student who's more extroverted. But you can't just not do it, you know. And so mm-hmm. and I'm not I know that's not what you're saying, but I want to like kind of put it out there for folks so that they kind of understand that you do have to you, you do have to become part of the discipline. You do have to take on skill sets, but the professor or the trainer needs to learn how to teach to you and not just to the 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 the, the mean of students, you know. Right. Um, and and I think that right now a lot of a lot of times people are trying to teach to who they think are like the mean, the middle ground. Right. And so one of the other big pieces that came up when we had pondered this question uh, that Dewey had proposed, and, and again, thank you so much, was the was the notion of the imposter effect also referred to as the imposter syndrome or the imposter phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. What is, what is the imposter syndrome, imposter phenomenon? So the one of the definitions that we pulled was that, that the imposter effect is essentially the psychological experience of believing that one's accomplishments came about not through genuine ability, but as the result of having been lucky, having worked harder than others, or having manipulated others' impressions. So essentially that your accomplishments are not because you as an individual achieved or earned or worked for them, but they are, they're not due to your internal um, gifts, but they're due to some external, something outside of you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's this feeling um, if I can, uh, you know, like for, for me, because imposters, imposter syndrome, imposter phenomena, um, it is, is something that any person who's stepping into a new space is going to deal with to some extent. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a spectrum. It's not like a, a criteria where you have to like, you have this amount of stuff and you're now diagnosed. It's just more of like, everyone's going to go in feeling like, I don't know if I belong here. If I, if I, if I've achieved enough to, to be in this space correctly. Right. And so like, I, um, I know like for myself coming in as a new professor, I felt that coming in as a new clinician, I felt that coming in as a new graduate student, I felt that coming in as a new student, I felt that, you know, um, and the idea, the reason you say it's imposter, as you as you kind of described it, it's like you feel like you just someone's going to find you, you know, right. like they're going to pop in the room and say, you know what, we made a mistake. You know, and, and, and that that fear can can cause a lot of problems for you in terms of being able to function. Right. So I um, do a little bit of teaching around the subject and I always share this story about my experience going to graduate school and really kind of showing up in my first month of being there. And I'm originally from the Chicagoland area and uh, got accepted to graduate school at the University of Oregon. And for some reason, um, and I'm not certain where I picked this up from, maybe it was television or movies or something or another. Yes, I had a television back then. Well, your parents had a television. <laughs> you didn't have a television. Your parents owned television oh my gosh. and you were there. So anyway, anyway, so I got I got the notion from somewhere that when you went to graduate school, you're supposed to dress up. Mm. And so I showed up uh, in Oregon first day, you know, wearing my, you know, professional blazer and, uh, you know, what I thought was business casual wear. And I get to class and nobody is dressed up, not even the faculty. Like Oregon, to my learning, was is a very casual environment, um, REI, mm-hmm. and I had never stepped foot in an REI. I didn't even know what that was. What does that mean? What's REI? It's a store. Like, does, oh, does it have? Is it like a 
Okay. It's a, it's an outdoor. So like Oregon is, it has an outdoorsy vibe. And so the manner of dress is something that in this casual, but like also the tones of colors really mirror this kind of. Is it like North Face kind of deal? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. REI is sort of like a, an all inclusive, like camping outdoorsy store that has, that caters to this sort of like outdoor living style. So like, um, and there's a stereotype around black people not doing outdoorsy stuff. I will and admit that that to this day, I still I lived there for six years and I still have never been camping. I've been camping and my my folks would take me out there, but I don't like it. So it's hard for me because like I want to like say that's a stereotype, and then I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to do that stuff. Mosquitoes, I hate mosquito bites. Like you're gonna go out there for like. Well, anyway, let me not start that. You're digressing. I'm, yeah. you're, I'm trying to tell a story here. Tell a story. All right. So I, I show up to graduate school first day dressed up. And nobody else is dressed up. So automatically, right? Boom. Stand out like a sore thumb, feeling like I don't belong. Mm-hmm. On top of that, what continued to happen, what, what from my perspective was that all of my peers were really, really, they were super, super nice, very inclusive. Like I didn't feel like I was, they were, I didn't feel like I wasn't a part of the group socially. Mm-hmm. But I did have this perception that they all kind of, had it all figured out already. So Mm -hmm. many of them already had master's degrees um, or they had worked in the field in some capacity. I was the youngest person in my program. I was 22, you know, a year post undergrad and, you know, felt like I just kind of got in on a whim. So that was my, my lens. And that was the narrative that they all kind of either worked in the field or had a master's degree. And I just, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. got a lucky shot. Right. Right. And I just want to like point out like that, what you're talking about there, if we're going to go back to our social psych, our basic psych stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You're talking about the fundamental, one of the fundamental attributional errors, right? Absolutely. So you, you thought what you thought about them mm-hmm. was true as opposed to what was true about them, right? Mm-hmm. So we like have this idea that because I look at you and I think that you have these things or you know these things that you actually do, when in fact you probably don't. But right. go ahead. That right. Was, yeah. Yeah. So in order to kind of better fit in, Mm -hmm. in certain capacities, like I bought a bike because everybody had a bike in Oregon. I never rode the bike. I just push it around. It was just ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) And but then academically, I tried to fly under the radar. So rather than, you know, if I if I know that one of my not so strong points, one of my growth areas is in research and statistics, rather than approaching that task, which is very, very, you know, difficult to kind of bridge that gap around self-efficacy, I kind of shied away and, and tried to just fly under the radar and not be noticed at all. Mm-hmm. And those strategies and those tools that I had used of like trying to assimilate culturally to like Oregon, right? Mm-hmm. You know, getting my raincoat and whatever getting a bike that I never rode, but also academically trying to kind of fit in in a way of not standing out because that first day I stood out so much that I never wanted to stand out again. Mm. So you you were trying to be invisible. I was. I was trying. Exactly. I was trying to be invisible. And, and in not sort of approaching those fears in a not to say like we all find these coping strategies and they have a function and they have a purpose, but at some point they might not serve you as as well right so i mean and you, you you really i think you really um described well the experience of kind of uh there's this idea that like specifically for people of color mm-hmm. um and there's this thing about being 
um, an imposter and being invisible at the same time. So you feel very, very visible mm-hmm. and very, very ignored all mm-hmm. at the same time. And it comes from this idea of sticking out, right? Because even if you didn't have those different clothes, I'm willing to assume that you were not one of the majority in terms of being uh, ethnically. Mm-hmm. Like there probably weren't that many black folks in your program because that tends to be the case across the country. There's not right population for that. So we stick out. And in sticking out, um, things that normal students do get um, overblown. I mean, like a real good example of that is just what happened with uh, with uh, uh, was it Malia Obama? You know, like they had a video of her like doing a little bit of a twerk move at her college at some college function, and it's just like, and everyone's like, "Oh, what the heck is that?" And it's like, uh, maybe it's an eighteen year old girl doing things that eighteen year old girls do at college. Mm-hmm. The only reason you guys care is because the president's daughter, you know, and it'd be very weird for her not to mm-hmm. act like an eighteen year old girl, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um. You know, it's Malia, right? That's the older. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was right. You were looking at me a little quizzically, um, but I'm just saying, like, you, you you get this this picture of us, um, and if we're whatever we're doing, it becomes like this this big personality indicator as opposed to just they're just being a student in this space, like every other student's being a student in this space. Right. But the imposter syndrome, and to come back to it, yeah. like being that it's really rooted in in your own internal dialogue, your internal lens and your internal perspective that, yeah. that can be triggered by the environment. And I think you had said earlier today, like being reinforced by either microaggressions or, you know, right. not so helpful experiences. Right. That, that's like the, the way people treat you when you're sticking out and mm-hmm. like that, that piece. Right. Um, right. Because what happened when I stuck out, and which is very much related to that, which is a, another reason why I stopped dressing up was because then when people would, would share comments in class or, you know, go and have nice things to say about each other, what they always said about me was something related to the way that I dressed. Right. right. What they said about each other or other people, and the feedback that they got was something about the comments they had they had shared in class or any ideas that they proposed. Wow. Wow. Okay, now I'm angry. Because, uh, I, I mean, like, there's extra to that. Because, I mean, like, there's a big thing about how women dress and how women are perceived around their dressing. And, I mean, that's just, there's a lot of sexism in that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, dealing with, like, the intersection of blackness and, 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 and womanness, like, I mean, uh, that that's... That's a that's a hard thing to have to overcome. Um, I could say I had a different kind of intersectional intersectional experience around clothes, just in mm-hmm. terms of me being um, I'm not like a, a skinny guy. And so, if you don't know this, for for men who aren't like you know skinny, and we clothing isn't built for us the same way it's not built for like women who aren't skinny. So like when you're in a professional role. For me, it's very hard to find a middle ground between casual and, like, completely formal. I look great in a suit, yo. Like, a suit is built for me, you know what I mean? Like, because it's built for middle, middle-aged middle men, you know? So, it works. But um, putting on a button-up T-shirt without a jacket on is kind of hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I would hit these, like, spaces in, in grad school where it would be like, you know, you need to dress up more. We don't like you wearing jeans. And it's like, well, jeans fit my thighs better than any of these dress clothes. And when I wear jeans, then I can put on a polo and it looks right as opposed to putting a polo on when I'm wearing, um, 
uh, slacks or something like that. And so I had to have some active negotiations and some like calling outs about that because it's like, look, I'm not going to come here looking ugly and messed up Mm -hmm. because you don't like the way that that I found to make clothing that won't conform to me work for me. Mm -hmm. You know, so. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of intersectionality around this stuff. Yeah. Um, So can that lead us down into our self-care tip of the day? Sure, sure. Or do, um, was there anything else you wanted to mention about imposter syndrome or how it shows up or any other? Well, the way I look at it, and it, it's very similar to what you said about seeing people, like the mm-hmm. analogy I, I give to students is, you know, you go into the library, you sit down and you look around in the room and you're having a hard time. And you see all these people who look like they're doing their their work. You know, and you look around, you see all these folks doing their work and you assume that they're having an easier time than you. Mm-hmm. Um if you go and step out of your body and stand on the other side of the room and you look back at yourself, do you look like you're doing your work? You're looking at the book. You have it open. Mm-hmm. You're moving your pen around. You look like you're concentrating, like you're mm-hmm. you're putting effort in, but you're not getting anything done. Why is it that your situation is different than those people? Mm-hmm. It's much more likely that all these students who are at the same level as you are having just as hard a time paying attention, doing the things that they need to do and getting it done. And just like you, just like you, They'll get it done in the end because you've been getting it done in the end. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in this library at this university, in this grad school school, or wherever you are. Um, Your accomplishments actually led you to this space and you have to know about them. So that takes us into the self-care tip, right? Yes. Self-care tip of the day. Celebrate your successes and use them as evidence. First, think about where you are and if you feel like you deserve to be there. It might be your job or your school or even your relationship. Take a moment to reflect on how you got to where you are. Think about your accomplishments, both big and small, and how they led you to your current self. What was your past work experience? Was your GPA high enough to get you in? Did you get hired or accepted? Have you celebrated those successes? They really happened, and they are why. You deserve to be where you are. Use them as evidence and know that you are not an imposter. You are not an imposter. Amen. Yeah. Like, that's a, that's our self-care tip. And, you know, like, for all the grad students out there and, and undergrad students and high school students and elementary students and people trying to help your kids with homework and, like, folks who are in that new job. Folks that are in that new job. You know? Like, you got the job. You got the job. They gave you the job and they didn't give it to you to for some altruistic helping reason. There was no charity there. Everything is selfish, folks. Maybe this is the way I look at it, but every no one does things just to do it. If you got the job, if you got hired, if you got pulled in university, they did that because they thought you would do a good job and you would make them look good. Okay? So trust in the fact that other people will selfishly pick you and if they didn't think you could get the job done, they would not have. Awesome. Yeah, so there. That's episode number eight. Episode number eight. All right, so I guess uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna close it out here. So uh, for details about the topics mentioned in this episode, check out our website, namingitpodcast.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Naming It Podcast. 
And if you like what you've heard, we ask that you leave us a review. And again, like Dewey, if you want us to discuss a specific topic, send us a message on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, etc. And we will shout it out and we will bring it into the show. Right. And uh, yeah, so where can we find you? So you can follow me on Twitter at Lamisha Hill. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at DRBF Palmer. And as always, a special, special thank you to Music on Naming It, provided by Lee England Jr., the sole violinist. And you can find Lee on Twitter at Lee England Jr. All right. That's naming it, huh? That's episode number eight. All right. That's a wrap. Keep naming it, y'all. All right. Peace.